right, glad you're with us. Four weeks from today is Election Day. I told you this would go fast, uh, and Biden is, you know, out and about. He didn't put a lid on today like yesterday, so that means another disastrous day out on the campaign trail. Biden actually got ticked off at a reporter's obnoxious question. Um, Doesn't like it when reporters refuse to follow the script prepared by his campaign. In Miami, a female reporter asked him, uh, an off script question about covid and he called it quote, called her quote obnoxious refused to respond i mean the guy's barely answered 100 questions his entire campaign can i just ask you one question about covid the reporter asked politely uh, biden responds by waving waving her away and adding she's going to ask an obnoxious question she wants to get noticed uh, welcome to Donald Trump's world for like five seconds. I mean, good grief. You know, then scolding Trump. It's embarrassing for the nation. He caught Corona. Well, uh, he didn't have the luxury of hiding in his basement bunker the entire summer and spring. It's pretty unbelievable. I mean, you know, from the guy that calls a lid on his day at nine, nine thirty every other day and. Um, CBS News White House correspondent says that he'd be safer reporting in North Korea. <laughs> what is I, 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 unbelievable? No symptoms for the president today, according to the White House doctors, uh, as he took, I guess, his final treatment of remdesivir, part of a, a regimen that he's taken, including uh, Regeneron, which is not new in spite of it being reported as, as fairly new. It's not. Um, but uh, now you, we have a big battle in New York as Andrew Cuomo is threatening to close down synagogues and close down uh, uh, religious schools uh, in the in the city of New York again, um, which doesn't surprise anybody. It will further add to the decline of New York. Um, I wish I could tell you what's going to happen in 28 days from today. I cannot. Nobody knows. Nobody's anybody that says that they know. I'm sorry. They don't know what they're talking about. Joe Biden flip flopped and flailed again on the issue of a mask mandate. Now he's saying, well, that's really up to the states to decide, which has pretty much been Donald Trump's position all along. Even had to admit that police no longer support them. And and why should they when police become the enemy? And of course, denying the very reality of what has been going on, the violence and minimizing it, just like Kamala Harris, not mentioning it even during his own Democratic National Convention. Um, and uh, I, I've never met a, a presidential candidate that's never had to a- ask, answer any questions. You know, I, has anyone ever said, do we ever get an answer? Are you going to pack the courts, Joe? America would like to know, are you going to pack the courts if you're elected president, I'm not answering that question. That's a trick from Donald Trump. Are you going to support ending the legislative filibuster, Joe? That's a trick question, too. Uh, do you support statehood for D.C. And, and Puerto Rico and Samoa, wherever else they might be thinking about statehood so Democrats can have a Senate majority in perpetuity? Do you support that? I'm not going to answer that question either. Do you support moving forward with the constitutional amendment to abolish the Electoral College? Uh, well, that's another trick question. I'm not going to answer that one. I mean, is anybody going to ask if you regrets authoring the, the crime bill in 94? That was the Joe Biden crime bill that led to the mass incarceration of minorities and disparate sentencing or 
calling minorities in inner cities predators in the streets? Does he regret praising Robert Byrd, the former Klansman, as his friend and as his mentor? Does he regret the eulogy that he gave Byrd at, at his funeral? Does he regret fighting with Byrd to, to stop integration of schools? Uh, does he, you know, regret openly worrying that his kids would grow up in a racial jungle if schools were integrated? You know, given his past with with a former Klansman and segregationist, does Biden avow the KKK? Does anyone decided to ask him these questions? Trump's answered it repeatedly. Does he stand by his quote? You ain't black if you vote for Trump. What did Joe Biden mean when he said the Latino community is diverse, unlike the African-American community? Is anyone going to ask him that question? Because none of these questions were still 28 days out of an election. Has he ever answered? Does he regret saying you can't go to a 7-Eleven or Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent? Does he regret when he called Obama the first mainstream African-American who's articulate and bright and clean and a nice-looking guy? That's storybook, man. He likes to say the word man a lot. Come on, man. You a junkie? You a junkie, man? Shut up, man. Come on, <laughs> man. The debate. Man, oh, man. Can't make that up. You know, does he regret, by the way, that it, him and and we'll get to Michelle Obama's comments, too. And and Barack and Michelle Obama, they they want to talk about Donald Trump uh, and say, Michelle Obama suggesting that that what we're watching with our own eyes isn't happening and that the it's only a tiny fraction of the protests that have been violent. Not a tiny fraction when you have over three thousand cops hurt. That was not a tiny fraction of anything. But, you know, for in eight years, Barack Obama's president, Michelle Obama, first lady, Joe vice president, 4,000 homicides in Chicago alone, 20,000 shootings in, a, in Chicago alone. They barely mentioned it. Do they regret not doing anything to protect the people of Chicago, Barack and Michelle's hometown? You know, during his eight years as Obama's vice president, what, what did Biden do to curb violence in Chicago? What did he do to curb violence in any inner city community? You know, why didn't he pass prison reform during his, what, nearly 50 years in office? Why didn't he orchestrate police reform uh, after Ferguson or Baltimore or Cambridge? Or, you know, why didn't he end chokeholds like like with the prison reform of the president? You know, why didn't he classify the KKK as a terror organization or for that matter, Antifa or Antifa, depending on you'd like to say it? You know, why are they enlisting now? I don't know if you saw this yesterday, a rapper for this uh, new video who's praising the anti-Semitic leader of Louis Farrakhan. Does he condemn the picture that was hidden for nine years of Barack Obama with Louis Farrakhan? Does Biden endorse any of the views of Farrakhan? Would he ever get his picture taken with Farrakhan? Has he ever gotten his picture taken with Farrakhan? On Biden's campaign website, it states that Biden believes the Green New Deal is a crucial framework for meeting the climate challenges we face. Okay, then why did he lie and say that he doesn't support the new Green Deal during the debate? Anybody in the media care to take a crack at that one? You know, why did he put his devout socialist AOC in charge of environmental policy? 
Why did he allow an avowed devout socialist to write his economic policy? And why did he lie about the existence of the Bolshevik Bernie Biden manifesto? Biden says he supports eliminating oil and gas. He supports banning coal production. He supports banning nuclear energy. Can you tell us why? And what are we going to do when millions of high paying career jobs are lost in the process? We're going to what fill them with with uh, clean energy jobs. Uh, That's a fantasy that I don't think I don't see coming to fruition uh, anytime soon. Does he support the nationalization of the energy industry? Does he support a ban of plastic products like straws, bags, plates? Is Biden going to roll back the Trump tax cuts like he said he did would which reduce taxes for millions of middle class American Americans? Is he going to raise taxes on every corporation and small businesses who file as S corps? You know, how how, ma- how many Americans would he would his payroll tax increase impact? Is there any scenario where Biden would ever lower taxes? And does Biden want to, like Kamala Harris, eliminate all private insurance? None of these questions have ever been asked. We're four weeks out of a presidential election, and none of these questions have ever been asked by Biden. Does Biden want to, you know, will he pay for universal health care for all? Is he going to pay for his massive student loan forgiveness? How's he going to pay for that forgiveness program? By the way, will he do it retroactively for people that paid back their loans? Uh, If he forces America back into the Paris Climate Accord, which he says he'll do on day one, will he demand that China and India be held to the same exact rigid standards, paying the same exact monies as the United States? Will he attempt to appease Iran? Will he give them more cash for nothing in exchange? Will he applaud the president's newly brokered peace plans between Israel, the UAE and Bahrain? Does Biden support the president's decision to move the U.S. embassy uh, in Israel to Jerusalem? Does he support the the president's new U.S.-Canada-Mexico trade agreement? Why did why did Biden support, you know, the the manufacturing killing NAFTA deal for decades in the wake of the pandemic? What's Biden going to do to encourage vital supply lines and manufacturing companies to move out of China? Why, you know, is Biden going to restrict his family from taking payouts from foreign oligarchs and companies and and nationals from China in and Russia and Kazakh and and Ukraine? In other words, is he going to allow Hunter to run free and wild like we now know that he has? We have top State Department officials saying that Hunter Biden's Burisma deal compromised the U.S. anti-corruption efforts in Ukraine. Biden, are you ever going to respond to that beyond saying it didn't happen when it did happen? And why did you lie about the three and a half million dollars that, in fact, the wire transfer that took place with the first lady of Moscow, the, the, the wife of the former mayor of Moscow? Are you going to correct the record, Joe? What about the Hunter Biden joint bank account with the Chinese national? You know, should should hunter give the money back for example why was hunter wrapped up in a billion dollar business deal with prominent members of the communist party of china why did hunter biden's private equity firm get a a multi-million dollar wire transfer from a russian oligarch 
You know, did Joe Biden ever benefit financially from Hunter's business dealings abroad when he was vice president? I mean, none of these questions have been asked. Now, you think about it, 28 days out of an election. You think your media mob cares about truth or do you think they have an agenda? I am arguing that the institutional forces that are combined, it is the entire Democratic Party and establishment from top to bottom, inside and out, up and down. It is the entire media mob. It is state-run newspapers, state-run networks, all three of them, and two major cable news channels that are nothing but state-run TV for everything radical, extreme, socialist, and Biden. You got every rhino Republican force also raising money to destroy Donald Trump. They claim they're Republicans. They're not. The most radical agenda ever put forward by any presidential candidate and an obviously weak, frail, cognitively challenged, you know, out of touch, you know, barely there, corpse-like looking candidate. And we're 24 days, I'm sorry, 28 days away from Election Day. And none of this has been done. Now, do you think they've done a service to you, the American people? Or do you think they've got an agenda? You want to want to know why I can't tell you how this election is going to turn out? Those are powerful forces that have aligned against Donald Trump and the American people. That's why I say you got to act like you're six points down. You're on your own 20, two-minute drill, no timeouts. you got to march down the field 80 yards, cross the plane, kick the extra point. I cannot tell you how this is going to end. Neither can anybody else. All right, we have the director of national intelligence has just declassified Brennan Notes' CIA memo on Hillary Clinton stirring up the scandal between Trump and Russia. I'm going to break all of this down uh, coming up. So you've got got Biden out there. literally saying that he was able to stay home during the pandemic because some black woman was stocking the grocery shelf. Listen. The reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. What? What is he talking about? I mean, is this, is he making a stereotype of some kind? Because... I happen to do my own shopping, anecdotally brought it up many times during COVID, would go once, twice a week, saw the same people wearing masks and gloves, and nobody contracted COVID-19. Um, that sounds an awful lot like a like a stereotype to me. Um, always, you know, remember he gave lectures about what is good for the other N-word. And uh, I'm like the token black uh, or the token woman, he once said. I'm like, I was the token young person. Busing will set civil rights, the civil rights movement back in a, it's a bankrupt policy. We'll get into all this as the program on, unfolds and Michelle Obama's comments we'll get to and uh, respond to as well. 800-941-SEAN is our number. 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the uh, program. Uh, let's go back to Biden. The reason I could stay home during the pandemic is this. Geez, the reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. 
He said a lot of other weird stuff in this uh, yesterday in Miami. I've never broken my word on anything I've said. He said, uh, then he goes on to say, I want to see these ladies dancing when they're four years old or two. Good news is, for me, I'm here. The bad news for you is, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And I want to see these beautiful young ladies. I want to see them dancing when they're four years old or two. And he wouldn't be, uh, uh, wouldn't it be an... Uh, be iron of ironies if Haitians delivered the coup de grace on election night. What is Think he about, about this. Wouldn't it be an irony, the irony of all ironies, if on election eve it turned out Haitians delivered the coup de grace in this election? What is he talking about? Then the media rip, you know, then Michelle Obama, here's her comments. Now, remember, this happens every two years, every four years. Remember 1998, Missouri radio ad, elect Republicans, black churches will burn. Then you've got uh, put you all back in chains. Then you got the James Bird ad. It's like my father was killed all over again, except George W. Bush supported the death penalty for the murderers of James Bird and a terrible dragging death. Uh, and then you've got Al Gore with his his changing tone and pitch and cadence and, and out there saying, uh, you know, Republicans have the wrong agenda for African-Americans. They don't want to count you in the census. Happens every two years, every four years. So now you've got Joe Biden out there saying the reason I could stay home during the pandemic was because of some black woman was stocking the grocery shelf. And here's Michelle Obama calling the president racist. Now, remember, Michelle, Barack, Joe, eight years, 4,000 people killed in Chicago. They barely mentioned it. 20,000 shot. They barely mentioned it. Ferguson, Baltimore, Cambridge, other high-profile incidents. Eric Gardner. Uh, they didn't do criminal justice reform. They didn't do police reform. They didn't shatter record low after record low after record low unemployment for every demographic group. Donald Trump did that. They didn't do... Uh, they didn't do uh, opportunity zones either. They didn't commit as much money for the longest period of time for historically black colleges. They didn't do any of these things. Donald Trump did them. Uh, that is just what their policies have been. Anyway, here's Michelle Obama jumping in uh, with these comments. They're stoking fears about black and brown Americans lying about how minorities will destroy the suburbs whipping up violence and intimidation, and they're pinning it all on what's been an overwhelmingly peaceful movement for racial solidarity. It's true. Research backs it up. Only a tiny fraction of demonstrations have had any violence at all. So what the president is doing is once again patently false. It's morally wrong. And yes, it is racist. But that doesn't mean it won't work because this is a, a difficult time, a confusing time. And when people hear these lies and crazy conspiracies repeated over and over and over again, they don't know what to think. With everything going on in their lives, they don't have time to fact check falsehoods being spread throughout the Internet. And even reasonable people might get scared. And the one thing this president is really, really good at is using fear and confusion 
and spreading lies to win. So all of the arson, all of the looting, all of the the Molotov cocktails, all of the bricks, all of the rocks, all of the, you know, canes and hockey sticks, all of the arson, all of the the Chaz Chop autonomous spaghetti potluck dinner, summer of love zones never happened. Police precincts, the 3000 cops injured. Our eyes all deceive us. You see what's happening here, right? And, and does Joe Biden ever get called out uh, on his support for his partnership with a former Klansman? Does he ever get called out for his relationship with segregationist James Eastland, Strom Thurmond, praising the former Klansman? Does he ever get called out for his lies about going to a historically black college, getting endorsed by the NAACP? Does he ever get called out for his embracing of segregation in schools, his fight with the Klansmen over stopping uh, integration of our public schools because he doesn't want his kids going to schools that are racial jungles. Does he get called out for you ain't black if you if you vote for Donald Trump? You can't work at a 7-Eleven or Dunkin' Donuts. You're not going to put you all back in chains. You know, this is storybook, man. You got it. Barack Obama, he's... He's articulate, he's bright, and he's clean. That's storybook, man. My state was a slave state. Poor kids are just as bright as white kids. Unlike African-American community, the Latino community is diverse. Should I keep going? Such hypocrisy, but it's 28 days to go. Now the question is, what percentage of people in the media mob will ever do their job and ask Joe any questions? They've allowed somebody to basically be a ghost of a candidate, somebody to call a lid on, on almost half the month of September. No presidential candidate hides in their basement bunker in September for almost a full month or half a month the way this guy has. You know, they ever going to bring up his corruption with, with Hunter Biden. And all of the oligarchs and the mayor of Moscow, the first lady of Moscow, or Burisma, they won't, well, no, 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 that's been proven false. No serious person believes this. Really? Why did somebody that admits he had no experience in oil, gas, energy, or Ukraine get millions of dollars? How does Joe get away with lying about the three and a half million dollars that he got in this, in this wire transfer from the former first lady of Russia. You know, how does, how does Hunter Biden, with no experience that we can see, get a billion five deal with the Bank of China? Oligarchs, Chinese nationals, Russian nationals, Ukraine nationals, Kazakh nationals, all while he's vice president. You know, how much money in total did this family of his make? as they've enriched themselves off of his his position. How is it nobody's ever called him out on this? How is it he gets to make a, a ridiculous statement that he led on COVID when he was saying it was hysterical xenophobia and fear-mongering? What kind of country do we live in where the mob and the media is so in the tank the 99% for one candidate, they refuse to ask any tough questions. Really? Can he admit that the travel ban, the president made the right call and it saved lives? Can he admit that, that, that he was wrong on that one decision? 
wrong on not supporting the quarantine, wrong on not supporting, you know, the, the subsequent travel bans. Does he believe the travel ban saved lives? Does he does does he support or not support the mask mandate because he changes every day? How is it you don't praise police, the 99% of them? How is it you make a statement, police become the enemy? How is it you're willing to reallocate funds away from the police or redirect those funds away from the police? How do you pick a running mate that is to the left of Bolshevik Bernie that wants to eliminate all private health insurance options? Somebody that praises the defunding of the LAPD. Somebody that, you know, co-sponsors the Green New Deal, co-sponsors Medicare for all. You know, how is it? How is it possible? Do you support packing the court, Joe? Yes or no? Why won't you release a list of, of Supreme Court judges the way President Trump has done? Why won't you be transparent? You know, Joe, you're a Catholic. I think your faith is between you, God, and your church. Do you think that the same should apply to Judge Amy Coney Barrett? You think it's fair that Diane Feinstein questions her faith and her, quote, Catholic Church dogma the way she did in the past? Do you want to eliminate the Electoral College? Do you want to eliminate the legislative filibuster? Do you agree with Kamala Harris that that we can get rid of any weapon she wants to get rid of by executive fiat if Congress fails to act? Do you believe that, you know, do, do, do you want others, do you want states added to the union? Should other states have a say in that, considering that that would ultimately result in a permanent majority for Democrats in the U.S. Senate, likely in perpetuity? Do you support that? Do you believe that state force closures in churches during the pandemic is constitutional? What restrictions would you have on the Second Amendment? Do you support the First Amendment? Do you support restrictions like, uh, you know, banning hate speech? And how do you define hate speech? You know, do you want to give D.C. and Puerto Rico and other places statehood? Why did you say police became the enemy or become the enemy? Why did you say you'd redirect funds away from the police? What do you say about Kamala Harris's extreme record? Why did you pick her? Do you, why do you support zero cash bail, as is in the Bernie Biden uh, manifesto? I mean, I can keep going. Why did police perhaps in the past support you, but they're not supporting you now, Joe? Why do you keep acting like you're from Pennsylvania and you haven't lived in Scranton almost your entire life? You know, why didn't you mention at your own convention all the violence and the rioting and the arson and the looting and the and the injured cops uh, over the summer? Why do you just deny it? Do you agree with Mayor Durkin that Seattle's chop zone was a summer of love zone? Why were you quiet about what was happening all summer long? Why'd you stay in the sidelines? Why are you hiding in your basement every day? Are you going to be a full-time or a part-time president? Biden campaign that your staff raised money for the Minnesota Freedom Fund, as did your running mate. That bailed out rioters and, and even, you know, others accused of things like child molestation. I mean, that's nuts, Joe. 
Why is it law enforcement groups have withdrawn all of their support from you? What is your greatest accomplishment in the Senate, Joe? What have you done in, in nearly 50 years? Why do you support open borders? Why do you support amnesty? Why do you support free health care for illegal immigrants in this country? You know, do you support the illegal immigrants having the right to vote? Why should American citizens subsidize and pay for their health care and their education? Do you support any restrictions on abortion whatsoever? I could keep going. I can go over Kamala Harris's extreme positions, too. By the way, this just breaking, the director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, declassified documents. It reveals the former CIA director, John Brennan, briefed the former president, Barack Obama, on Hillary's purported plan to tie candidate Donald Trump to Russia as a means of distracting the public from her use of a private email server. In other words, the CIA picked up intelligence on all of this. Now Brennan's handwritten notes have been declassified, and he even felt it was so important he briefed Obama on it. And uh, anyway, that was now sent to the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. Source familiar with the documents explained that Brennan's handwritten notes were taken after briefing Obama on the matter. In other words, that Hillary set the whole thing up as a means of vilifying Donald Trump to distract from her email scandal and that is the subpoenaed email she deleted then the bleach bit then the hammers i told you we should always have gotten to the bottom of that and that apparently our intelligence officials were able to pick up intelligence in other words probably some eavesdropping or a source of hillary approving a plan to actually make up a false narrative about donald trump being in collusion with russia the whole thing was made up Then that referral was sent to Comey and to Peter Strzok, of all people. They knew the whole time. They knew the whole time. And they're part of it. Well, if the election doesn't go the right way in 28 days, guess what? We'll never get to the truth. We'll never get to the bottom of it. I live free or die. America, the world on the brink. It's just 28 days. It is four weeks from today. And you are the ultimate joy. I told you it was going to go fast. It is going fast. Many of you are nervous. I like that. You want to know why? Because you should be. Because what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Bolshevik Bernie and AOC are proposing is radical. With the mob and the media, you've got every institutional force in this country aligned against Donald Trump. You just do. It's the 99% of the mob, the media. It is every Democrat. It is every rhino Republican, institutional Republican it's all the same thing. The swamp protects the swamp. And uh, the one thing they agree on is getting rid of Donald Trump, no matter how that, no matter how they're doing this here. Bill Barr told Jim Jordan, he's asked another U.S. attorney to investigate the issue of unmasking. Anyway, State Department officials, they had to be ordered, they had to order, uh, the stopping of tracking 13 prominent Americans for information about the Ukraine scandal because the monitoring violated federal law. By the way, the list of 13 people. Guess who happens to be number one on the list? Yours truly. But anyway, let's listen to what Barr is saying about the unmasking. 38 people unmasked Michael Flynn's name 49 times in a two-month time frame. Seven people at the Treasury Department unmasked Michael Flynn's name. 
Is this an issue that Mr. Durham is looking into? <clears throat> I've asked another U.S. attorney to look into the issue of unmasking because of, you know, the high number of unmaskings and some that do not readily appear to have been um, in the line of normal business. Wait a minute. I, saw, I want to be clear. So there is a there is another investigation on that issue specifically going on at the Justice Department right now. Yes. Wow, that's great. I, I, so Mr. Durham is looking at how the whole Trump Russia thing started. You have another U.S. attorney. Can you give us that U.S. attorney's name, or is that something you're comfortable doing? Or John Bash of Texas. John Bash of Texas is looking specifically at the fact at unmasking. 38 people, 49 times unmasked Michael Flynn's name and probably other unmaskings that took place in the final days of the Obama-Biden administration. Is that accurate? Actually, a much longer period of time. Even before that? Yes. And we had discovered that in the final year of the Obama administration went up somewhat, 300%. Now, the emails show the State Department officials, the unredacted emails obtained by John Solomon and JustTheNews.com raised questions about the the accuracy of other State Department officials and their testimony during the president's impeachment proceedings. Uh, They weren't exactly forthcoming on any of this information. Uh, Judicial Watch first raised uh, concerns about this earlier this year. Uh, I'll never forget during the whole issue involving Ambassador Marie Ivanovich, I barely knew who it was. That she had somehow created an enemies list and other people in the embassy in Kiev or They've created this enemies list, if you will, by ordering the monitoring of prominent Americans, including yours truly. How I got to be first on the list, I don't know. And I remember when it first came up, I was like, I barely know this woman. We were just basically following the fundamentals of the Ukrainian Ukrainian story, which for me was you're not getting a billion dollars until you fire a prosecutor investigating my zero experience son, Hunter, who's being paid millions, all of which is true. But I digress here to break down the new information that he's found is John Solomon, editor in chief of just the and author of the book Fallout Nuclear Bribes, Russian Spies, Washington Lies that Enrich the Clinton and Biden Dynasties, which we've spent a lot of time about. David Schoen, civil liberties uh, attorney. He was not on the list, but people like me, Laura Ingram, Lou Dobbs, John Solomon were. John Solomon, how come you're not number one? I would have put you as number one on the list. I I certainly (laughs) vote to put you number one on the list. How did I get number one on this list? It's not exactly the position you want in life. I'm pretty sure I'm not number one on the list of State Department Christmas cards for the fall. But anyways. Yeah, well, I can bet that too. Yeah, yeah. Listen, this is important for two reasons, right? We now know another example of the crushing power of the state using its intelligence capabilities to target Americans without legal authorization. You talk about unmasking, that's where they look at someone's intercepted phone call without a warrant and, and read what was said. This is a little different. State Department was monitoring your social accounts, my social accounts, using a tool called CrowdTangle, an intelligence tool, to try to get ahead of what we were about to report or say and counter our narratives. Now, why these documents are important? They say, they show clearly that the U.S. Embassy in Kiev, Marie Ivanovich, George Kent, the guy with the bow tie that testified during the impeachment hearing, they were told they had to stop this because it violated the law. They were breaking the law. They weren't allowed to target Americans with this tool. Why is that important? When Marie Ivanovich was asked about this during her impeachment testimony, she said that they stopped it because they ran out of resources. The bureaucrats didn't have enough time. It does not appear that testimony is accurate based on these documents. The second reason these documents are important, they show the motive. Why were they trying to monitor you, Sean, and me, and uh, Don Jr., and Rudy Giuliani, and uh, Lou, and, and Laura? 
they were worried about the narrative that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden had a corrupt situation going on in Ukraine. George Kent writes in his email as he's encouraging the, the monitoring of these accounts, this Biden Burisma story is the quote unquote mother load that could continue on all the way to November 2020. Now, why is our State Department in Kiev worried about Joe Biden's November 2020 election prospects? Very chilling, because that's one of the motives they gave for monitoring your account, my account, and all those others. Well, you look at this from a legal standpoint. Uh, how do you analyze this as a civil liberties attorney, David Schoen? I think the law was broken. Frankly, it's as simple as that. But listen, the number one reason this is important is because there's an election coming. There's an election coming in which Joe Biden is a candidate. The American people are entitled to know all of the details about this. And should we be shocked that they were monitoring uh, these accounts? It is shocking, and I hope we're shocked every day when we hear about this. But they impeached a president for trying to investigate this. So there's nothing uh, folks would stop that to stop it. Listen, this story didn't start with Donald Trump. May 13th, 2014, the Wall Street Journal wrote a scathing piece about this deal that uh, Hunter Biden got, along with Devin Archer, a friend of John Kerry's family, with Burisma. It went no place. They demanded an investigation then. Donald Trump didn't start uh, looking into this, but he continued it as the responsible president of the United States to investigate whether a country that's going to get a billion dollars is marred by corruption. Um, as I've said from the start, Joe Biden should be the first person in the world calling for a full investigation of this. Instead, when it was raised at the debate the other night, when the president raised the question of Hunter Biden and payments, Joe Biden said, these stories are totally false. They've been debunked. Well, less than a week ago, the Washington Times reported that, for example, $3.5 million wire from the wife of the mayor of Moscow, a woman who's already suspected by the United States of becoming a billionaire through corruption, that that went to Hunter Elena Buturina is her name. Yep, yep. So the very the scary the, and She was stuff. known as the first lady of Moscow, the wife of the former mayor of Moscow. Now, but Hunter and, and Devin Archer got over $4 million from the Burisma board. They opened up an account uh, with this guy... Gangwen Dong to fund a hundred thousand dollar global spending spree. They went on a family spending spree. They had a business had business associations with all sorts of Chinese nationals, including people from the People's Liberation Army and the Communist government. Uh, and those associations resulted in millions of dollars in cash flow. They also had non-resident women that were nationals from Russia and other East, Eastern European countries who appear linked to uh, Eastern European prostitution or human trafficking rings, according to the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs. Yeah. I mean, this, this, John, what John is doing here, these articles are so critically important. And, Sean, the reason you were number one on the list is because you have the biggest audience in the world to report these facts to. But think about if the election goes a certain way, there won't be any checks in the administration on this. You'll have a, an Andrew Weissman running the Justice Department. You'll have AOC running, you know, state. You'll have Elon Omar running the Defense Department, possibly. You know, who, who knows? I mean, that, that look, those are, those are hopefully outlandish uh, scenarios. But the main thing is you won't have any checks within the government. These things can go on uh, except for, you know, important media figures uh, reporting them. They can go on uh, with impunity. Well, I mean, that's what's at stake in just 28 days, John Solomon, because I think all of this goes away. If, God forbid, Joe Biden wins this election. Now polls show that he's leading. Do you think Joe Biden wins this election? Does he ever get the scrutiny he deserves? I don't think so. 
Yeah, no, that's what's at stake in this election. The two visions for government, one that's going to follow the law and order, and one that goes under the table and does things like spies on Carter Page without a legal basis, uh, uh, monitors 13 Americans without in violation of the law. This idea of big government feels more Soviet, feels more intrusive uh, than anything we've seen in our history. And you know, President Trump has laid out one vision. I'm not for that stuff. I'm combating that. I don't want it to happen to another president in the future. That's what he always says. And then Joe Biden and his media mob are silent. They pretend these things didn't happen. They call them debunked when they're not. Uh, that's the sort of choice that the Americans face when they go, go to the polls on November 3rd. So all of these happenings take place and all these money transfers, but he's in the debate the other night and he just, and, and President Trump called him out on it and he just lied. Have you seen anybody, anybody in the mainstream media ever fact check that he lied? Because I didn't see it. Not once. And, and, you know, it isn't hard work. You can just pick up the Senate report, go to the footnotes, find out the Treasury document, the date of the payment, where it came from, why it was flagged, the additional payments that followed. When Joe Biden says that's been debunked, he's calling the Treasury Department that worked for him, the State Department that worked for him, the FBI that worked for him, liars. And I think that that's a shame. That's who originally surfaced this information. The payments from Yellow and about Arena first surfaced from the FBI and from the Treasury Department. The concerns about uh, the conflict of interest with Burisma and Hunter in Ukraine, that wasn't my story. The, the State Department officials saw that conflict of interest long before I wrote it. In fact, it's the reason I wrote it. Joe Biden is calling them liars when he claims that this has been debunked. Pretty unbelievable. Now, there are other Biden family members that have benefited from the name as well. I mean, you've got uh, Joe Biden's son, Hunter, is, and Joe's younger brother, James. They purchased this Paradigm Global Advisors group that they had. First day, they show up there with Joe's other son, Bo, and two uh, large men, and they ordered the hedge fund's uh, chief of compliance to fire its president, according to an executive that was present. Um, and don't worry about the investment. James Biden laid out what his vision for the fund's future is. Uh, and he said, we've got people all around the world who want to invest in Joe Biden. Well, if the last name was Trump and you substitute the two names, I think you might have a different reaction. Yeah, there's no doubt. You know, the clear pattern is that Hunter Biden and the entire family flew in the vapor trail of Joe Biden's uh, foreign policy jet, China, Russia, Ukraine, all of Joe Biden's primary foreign policy responsibilities as vice president. And Hunter's got his hand out, and he's taken money from each of those locations. Many days on the same day or just a few days after Joe Biden has been in that country, that corrupt pattern is exactly what Americans don't want to see their government do. All right, as we continue, John Solomon, editor-in-chief, justthenews.com, David uh, Schoen, civil liberties attorney, and... You know, now we know State Department officials uh, were ordered in 2019 to stop tracking 13 prominent Americans uh, looking for information about the Ukrainian scandal. Uh, I being one of them, Rudy Giuliani being one, John Solomon being one, Don Jr. being one, Lou Dobbs and Laura Ingram being two others. And uh, now legally, I mean, I guess there are no consequences for behavior like this, even though they had to be told by the State Department they're violating the law, David Schoen? Yeah, well, there could be consequences, frankly. I mean, they will raise all sort of immunity defenses, but there are constitutional rights violations here and statutory violations. Remember, you know, we've been all through this, what it takes, what it should take at least, to get a FISA warrant uh, to eavesdrop. 
to conduct surveillance on telephone lines of American citizens, on emails and that sort of thing. We've seen how that process got so corrupted um, by the uh, those after President Trump. Um, and so in this case, there could literally be individual lawsuits against the employees who are identified uh, as having conducted this illegal surveillance. But I don't know whether they'll go anyplace, and it's going to take a long time to play out and all that. The American people need the facts of all of these circumstances. They need them now, not after an election. They need them before the election to know who they're voting for. And, you know, we talked about Senator Biden, or Vice President Biden's family. It's not just that. It's a culture. It's John Kerry. You know who you are getting. John Kerry, Susan Rice, Eric Holder, Andrew Weissman. Um, these people will all be back uh, without anything reining them in. Yeah, pretty frightening. That's a great report. I got to tell you, John Solomon, uh, if you haven't been to his new website, he's the editor in chief of Just the News, one word, dot com. Uh, thank you both for being with us. When we come back, we'll update you on the soon to be started Senate hearings to confirm Amy Coney uh, Barrett to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, they start next week, and they expect uh, sometime around the 22nd or so of October that they'll move forward in the Senate with a full vote. Senator Marsha Blackburn gives us an update. Then we'll get to your calls coming up next half hour. Then Leo 2.0 and Horace Cooper uh, will weigh in on the controversial comments of, of Joe Biden and Michelle Obama as it relates to race. Uh, and we'll go over Joe's history of race, uh, which is not pleasant, but ignored by the mob, the media, and, of course, everybody in the Democratic Party, because that's who they are. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. draws his inspiration from U.S. soldiers and the brave men and women who wear the blue. The warriors who never run from a fight, they run to it. And in this fight, to save the soul of our country, it's time to wake the silent majority. Let this moment radicalize you. The battle lines are drawn, the mission is clear, and the time is upon us. With your help on November 3rd, Republicans are going to win the House, win the Senate, and again win the White House. When the brave are prepared, there's no battle we can't win. Let's do this. Suit up, chin down, and he'll take the lead. This is The Sean Hannity Show. All right, glad you're with us. 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza six days from now, uh, that would be a week uh, from yesterday. They will begin the hearings in the Senate Judiciary Committee moving forward with the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, how bad will the Democrats get? In other words, will there be a borking, a Clarence Thomasing? Will there be a Kavanaughing? Well, who knows what to expect from Democrats? 
Uh, we already know that Diane Feinstein has kind of set her sights in the past on Amy Coney Barrett when she talked about Amy's private personal faith. Now, keep in mind that that both Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden uh, profess to be Catholics. Uh, I know that some of their positions like on abortion and other social issues are at odds with what the church teaching is. But with that said, it frankly isn't any of my business. It's it's frankly nobody's business. It's between them, their church and and God. As far as I'm concerned, I think deeply held religious views should be just that. Uh, as our Constitution ensures, we shouldn't have religious uh, litmus tests of any kind. Uh, but this might be a reminder of what people like Diane Feinstein will be capable of when they begin this in six days, a week from yesterday. And and this was uh, Amy Coney Barrett before Diane Feinstein the last time when she was up for the circuit court. I think whatever a religion is, it has its own dogma. The law is totally different. And I think in, in your case, uh, Professor, when you read your speeches, um, the conclusion one draws is that the dogma lives loudly within you. And that's of concern. Oh, dogma that lives within you and that's of concern well well, is nancy pelosi's dogma of concern to diane feinstein or is it that her dogma inside of her you know politically is in alignment or the same with joe biden god only knows what joe biden's dogma is on anything when you really think about it because the guy flips and flops and flails all over the place uh, joining us now is uh senator marsha blackburn from the great state of, of tennessee Boy, you had a hell of a controversy down in Nashville when John Rich was referring to the mayor down there as Judas for hiding numbers on on COVID and and acting like it was much worse than it really was and keeping a lot of people out of business and out of work uh, at a time where probably they could have opened up. How did that work out? Well, you have the bars and restaurants opening back up now, and there was a controversy about um, how the health department had handled the numbers and making it appear or the appearance was given that the bars and the restaurants were the drivers and not the construction sites, etc. So I think they're all coming to an understanding and things are getting open. And, you know, Sean, people want to go back to work. They want children to go back to school. The schools in Davidson County, Nashville, are not open. Public schools are not open. And people are very concerned about getting these children back in school. Well, and by the way, how many people, John Rich told me about 100 people work at the Redneck Riviera bar of his. And all those people have been out of work for a long period of time based on the numbers that they were actually hiding on purpose. Uh, but perhaps a lot of it was unnecessary, which is unbelievable. Uh, let's get your reaction right. to Diane Feinstein and what she was saying about Amy Coney Barrett. And it looks like this vote will come out of committee. If my math is right, about 10 days after the 12, which would be the 22nd. Uh, do you see or foresee anything that would prevent a, a full vote in the Senate of confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett? I do not. And we are moving ahead with our schedule. We will begin our hearings on October 12th. I think most of our members are like me. They are doing their preparation work this week. 
for both their opening statements and their questions and reading opinions that Judge Barrett has written. Uh, we will move her uh, to completion for the hearings on the 15th. We will vote her out of committee on the 22nd. And I think the 26th or 27th will be on the floor to confirm her to the court. Is there anything Senate Democrats like Chuck Schumer and company can do to delay that vote? Uh, They keep saying they want to investigate, have the FBI investigate the adoptions. They want to investigate uh, the Catholic Church and the group that she works, worships with. Uh, They are wanting to have further review of her curriculum from her uh, classes that she has has taught at Notre Dame. But the point is, she is supported by Democrats and Republicans to have a religious litmus test is unconstitutional. And Sean, what they're trying to do is say, if you're a woman of faith and you take your children to church every Sunday and you are active in your church, that that should be a disqualifier. And basically, What the left is saying is they think you have to be a secularist or an atheist to be a federal judge, and it is absolutely ludicrous. But at this point in time, in order to keep a constitutional jurist off the Supreme Court, they're willing to do that because they want to socialize medicine, do the Green New Deal. They want to give statehood to D.C. They want to abolish the Electoral College and expand the Supreme Court, and they do not want constitutional jurists in their way as they seek to radically change this country. How do you see this election shaping up? I mean, if you believe the polls, the president is behind. If you don't believe the polls, then uh, you believe, as I do, that the president is in this. And I still believe that there's a certain percentage of people that are not going to tell any pollster how they vote. But when you look at the poll numbers, it's concerning. What are your thoughts on the state of the race right now? Well, it is of concern when you look at the poll numbers, but I have been talking to people all across the country, and what I am hearing from people, and I saw this reflected in the Cato Institute's poll, most adults, Cato had it at 62%. If you get polled, they are not going to tell you how they're going to vote. And in Tennessee, we have a lot of folks down in Spring Hill that belong to the UAW and work for General Motors. But you know what? I carry that Spring Hill box every time I'm on the ballot. So I I think that people are worried about their freedoms, their first principle freedoms, that free speech, free religion, the ability to carry a gun, a right to privacy. And they are very concerned that if you had a Biden-Harris or Harris-Biden, that what you would have is a push to limit those freedoms. And that is one of the big differences between Democrats and Republicans. We're for individual freedoms and liberty and doing what we can to shore those up. And the left, what are they for? They say, give government your freedoms. Give us the power and we'll give back to you as much as we think you can handle or you deserve. All right. Thank you, uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn, great state of Tennessee. Senator, thank you. We'll be watching these hearings very closely and uh, watching you partake in this. And uh, thanks for being with us. Good to be with you. Thank you. Bye-bye now.
All right, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, let's go to uh, Clint is in Arkansas. Clint, hi, how are you? Glad you called. 28 days to go, sir. I'm doing fine. Thanks, Sean. Uh, my comment is about Chuck Schumer and his comments of everything's on the table, uh, including stacking the Senate, killing the filibuster, packing the courts. Uh, this is just totally against the very ideology of the Constitution. Uh, our founders lived under a one-party system of the monarchy and the aristocracy. They fought a revolutionary war to escape that, and they framed the Constitution with certain safeguards built in place to prevent one-party rule. And here they are, uh, Schumer, Pelosi, AOC, Ilian Omar, Bernie Sanders, all those people they're trying to circumvent those safeguards of the Constitution and take us back to a one-party rule. And that's, it's just not acceptable. Well, I mean, if I, this goes back to my list of questions that Joe Biden's never been asked with 28 days out of an election, and this guy's gotten a pass the whole time. That does not happen to any other politician. This, this, is, this is beyond negligence here. This is beyond dereliction of duty. This is a campaign donation to Joe Biden. You know, a, a mild uh, a question by the New York Times about him being frail and weak and and struggling cognitively with was met with a fierceness uh, from the Biden campaign. It's like you can't talk about it. You know, he who shall not be named the ghost uh, of Joe Biden. That is Joe Biden. I mean, it, it is scary. I mean, the, the level of hatred of Donald Trump is so deep. It is so profound. And and remember, I don't think you got people going out there to vote for Joe Biden. I think there is a hate Trump contingent. And what the election is going to come down to is is the group of people that are motivated by their rage against Trump. Is that larger than the, the group of people that support this president? And that would, you know, wait online in the freezing cold and rain for days to to pull the lever for Donald Trump. You know, the the integrity of the elections will also factor into this. Um, But I've never seen a a scenario in this country where where they they have so fallen down on their job, their 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 responsibility, their duty to vet a candidate. You can't ask Joe a tough question. Nobody asks Joe tough questions. Joe, Joe doesn't answer questions. And they've allowed him to, you know, put a lid on his day at 9, 9.30, 10 a.m. every day. And, and then he asks, you know, he's gone for the day. You know, he, I, I, but then he says, oh, it's embarrassing for the nation that, that the president got coronavirus. Well, he's actually out there living and breathing and working daily, you know, doing the job that obviously Joe's not up to doing. It's very frustrating at this point to me. It really is. All right, let's say hi to Steve is in Pennsylvania. What's up, Steve? How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, John. How are you? I'm good. So you just moved to Pennsylvania? Uh, yes, sir, I did. I, I just moved to Pennsylvania, and I, I was out driving around the other day looking at uh, neighborhoods around the area, just kind of checking it out. And I pulled into a somewhat affluent neighborhood, and I noticed quite a few Biden signs. Um, and it just it just reminds me of just how out of touch they are. I, I want to know kind of when did when did the elite start becoming democratic? And, and you know, I was growing up, I always thought Republicans were you know the money hungry kind of party, and that the the Democrats were for the average hardworking American. But it seems to to totally flip now, where 
you know, you have these elitists that, that are all for Biden that really don't have a clue as to, as to what's going on in the real world down here, Sean. Look, I mean, there, there are people, I don't know what fully motivates them. I, I, when you are inundated, though, I will tell you that the mob is a powerful force. And when it's all the print media and it's three major networks uh, in terms of state-run newspapers and, and television and news and, and two cable channels, never-ending rage and hatred against all things Donald Trump and every Democrat. And then you got this other group of, of weak rhino uh, Republicans, although I wouldn't even really call them Republicans at this point. You know, they're willing to elect a radical socialist just because they so hate Donald Trump's style. Um, those are powerful forces to beat back. Now, the people did it in 2016, and it was somewhat miraculous, but it's never easy for a Republican to win. Anyway, I, I hope that helps you. Um, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Quick break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll continue on the other side as we're joined by Leo 2.0 and Horace Cooper. And much more straight ahead. Glad you're with us. Just 28 days. You are the ultimate jury. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. You know, one of the things that I've always pointed out on this program, every two years, every four years, there is a history. The Democratic Party, the issue of race, the race card, they divide this country, old versus young, rich versus poor, black versus white. On the issue of race, you know, elect Republicans and black churches will burn a 98 uh, Missouri radio ad of the Democratic Party or the James Byrd ad in 2000. It's like my father was killed all over again, except George W. Bush supported the death penalty for the people involved in the dragging death of, of an innocent man named James Byrd. Uh, or it's Al Gore changing his tone, his pitches, cadences, speaking delivery. Republicans have the wrong agenda for African-Americans. They don't want to count you in the census. And it goes on from there. Um, well, now we've got Joe Biden is out there saying the reason that he was able to stay home during the pandemic was because some black woman was stocking the grocery shelf. Listen. You see, geez, the reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. What, what is he talking about? I, seriously, I'm asking, What does he know that for sure? Does he go shopping himself? Because I go shopping myself every week. I was the one that kept saying I'd go every week during the middle of the pandemic. That's when I said anecdotally masks are working because nobody in the grocery store I went to uh, was getting COVID-19. And this was in the middle of the worst of the worst of this thing. Um, but Joe's history of race is real. You know, the, the predators on our streets and, uh, you know, embracing segregation in schools and partnering with Robert KKK Bird, who he praised as his friend and his mentor, but partnering to stop the integration of our schools. Uh, you can't work at a Dunkin' Donuts or 7-Eleven unless you have a, a slight Indian accent and, and you ain't black if you consider voting for Trump and, you know, uh, unchain Wall Street and all, you know, Obama's articulate and clean and, you know, uh, bright. This is a storybook, man. My, my state's a slave state, he said. Anyway, and poor kids can be just as bright as white kids. It's unbelievable. 
Now you've got Michelle Obama. Listen to her comments from yesterday. They're stoking fears about black and brown Americans lying about how minorities will destroy the suburbs, whipping up violence and intimidation. And they're pinning it all on what's been an overwhelmingly peaceful movement for racial solidarity. It's true. Research backs it up. Only a tiny fraction of demonstrations have had any violence at all. The saddest part of this is it's predicated on something that is false. They're not mostly peaceful protests that we've watched throughout the summer. She's wrong about all of that. Now, either our eyes deceived us or these businesses were being burned to the ground and cops were being assaulted and the over 3000 cops that are injured. And we nearly have 50 dead cops in the country now this year uh, is either happening or it's not happening. In the eight years, Michelle Obama was the first lady and her husband was the president. Joe was the vice president. They're almost just shy of 4,000 homicides in the city of Chicago alone. They barely mentioned it, and they never lifted a finger to stop it. Not not one of the three of them stopped it. 20,000 shootings in the eight years that Barack was president, Joe was vice president, and Michelle was the first lady. They didn't do a thing. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, Unbelievable that there's zero scrutiny of Joe Biden and the issue of race. But that is the state of the mob and the media today. That's the state of the Democratic Party today. If you're a radical socialist, you can have the most radical views and never, never, never even get confronted on it. Never have to answer a question about it. At the Leo Terrell on Twitter, Leo 2.0 and Horace Cooper are with us. Uh, your reaction to both of those uh, comments, first by Biden and then by Michelle, Leo Terrell. You know, I'm really bothered by this, Sean. I'm telling you that that Biden audio, which you played, I never seen some black woman shell uh, stocks and shell. This is a 1930 plantation owner mentality by Joe Biden. You know what? He's a racist. He's a racist, and he doesn't even know he's a racist because he's used to downgrading black Americans in a manner in which has been accepted by the Democratic Party. For him to say that, some black woman, why does he have to identify her race as the woman? It shows you how he has blacks in a subservient role. But because he has that big D on his chest, he gets away with being a racist. A Republican could never, ever said what he said on that audio. It's disgusting. And yet black Democrats won't challenge him. I left the Democratic Party and joined the Republican Party. Michelle Obama, she's just lying. You're right. The supposition is absolutely wrong. She had her eyes closed. Did she see what was going on in Portland, in Seattle, what was going on all year, the black-on-black crime? And I'll tell you right now, Donald Trump got elected president because the American people rejected the Obama-Biden administration for eight years. That's why he's in office. And thank God. You know why? Because blacks have prospered under Donald J. Trump. Uh, Horace, what's your reaction to Joe Biden? I mean, everything that he's ever said on race is pretty repugnant. Well, this is particularly infuriating. Um, I am looking at... Um, an experience that apparently even my grandmother would have thought in the 
1960s was certainly insensitive and certainly was not a reflection of the reality of the world. These people, including the Vice President, are imagining an America in the 21st century that is some sort of dystopian offshoot of the 1930s. I mean, it is really, really telling that the go-to thought is that if you are lucky to be alive and not and COVID-19 free, you should turn around and thank some poor, distraught, downtrodden black woman that has made that possible. What a world are we living in? And then we have this idea that somehow, quote, the evidence and the research shows that these protests have been overwhelmingly peaceful. The U.S. insurance industry says more than a billion dollars was done in damage by the so-called mostly peaceful. You don't need 100% cancer to kill you. You don't need 50% cancer to kill you. A little bit of poison, 1% can destroy you. In our own eyes, we have witnessed that the evidence is overwhelmingly greater than that. Lying about the data and making a slur on America that there aren't people like Michelle Obama, who are the former first ladies, that there aren't people like Oprah Winfrey, who are among the highest compensated women in America. This is just an amazing slur on America. And if we had a working media, there would be accountability. You know, Leo, I look at this and I I do see polls where minorities are supporting Trump in larger numbers than 20 16. Um, I think for the president to win, uh, those polls have to translate into votes. Do you see that happening? And do you think one of the reasons that this is coming out the way it is and, and these words are being used is to compensate and try and shift the ground in terms of demographic voting? Uh, Sean, I'm so glad you asked me that question because the answer is yes. I did a Washington Post interview, and the, the article came out the other day, and the bottom line is this. Donald Trump is getting more black men to vote for him than ever before. Guess what? I'm over there. I'm voting for him. And so the Democrats are nervous. So they have racked up the race car to a fever pitch. They are worried, Sean, because black people – are not drinking the Kool-Aid like they did four years ago or eight years ago. His numbers are going to increase significantly. And I hope he's listening right now because, you know, I got to go into those black churches in those battleground states and challenge some of these people who are singing this rhetoric of racism because it does not exist. Systemic discrimination does not exist. If it did, it happened in the Obama-Biden administration. Donald Trump has done more for black Americans. But you notice, Sean? Michelle and Joe Biden didn't get away with saying racism, racism, but no one asked him from the left-wing media, what have you done for black? Donald Trump is front and center, and he'll tell you exactly what he's done for black. But Joe Biden can in 50 years. Michelle Obama and uh, Barack Obama can't tell you in the eight years they were in the White House. This country is shifting, and black folks are no longer automatically voting for the Democrats. They're going to Donald Trump 
especially black men. Well, it's we're going to see over time. I can tell you that. I mean, you know, if you look at the cost, you know, all these riots, uh, insurance costs as high as two billion dollars, uh, a billion dollars uh, in riot damage, the most expensive in insurance history. Those are real dollars, and it's just denying truth and denying reality. But why didn't Joe, Barack, and Michelle, why didn't they lift a finger to help their own home city of Chicago, Horace? I mean, it's not like it wasn't front and center in the news. I mean, I I think I was the only one on TV that would scroll the names of the people killed and scroll the names of the people shot. I mean, it was a a regular weekly story that was breaking out of Chicago, and, and they barely mentioned it. In my book, How Trump is Making Black America Great Again, I have done a comparison and contrast. Let's look at the policies that were in place when Barack Obama and Joe Biden were running the show, and let's compare them. I talked about crime. I talked about abortion. I talked about income. I talked about all of the kinds of things that people care about. If you want to win elections in America, you've got to actually tell the people what you're going to do to improve their lives. Leo's right that we're looking at a circumstance where people had been using just scare tactics. I don't have to give you a vision. I don't have to give you a platform. I don't have to show you how my policies are going to improve. I just tell you that other guy, the boogeyman, is coming. The problem is we've had nearly four years where people can see it's not a mirage that there's a brand new pickup truck in their front yard. It's not a mirage that they're not sleeping on the couch in their grandparents' house. They're actually I gotta take a break. And as we continue, Horace uh, Cooper is with us, legal commentator, co-chair of the uh, Black Leadership Network, Project 21, author of How Trump is Making uh, Black America Great Again, at the Leo Terrell on Twitter, Leo 2.0, as we uh, call him. All right, so it's 28 days. It's four weeks from today. Leo Terrell, where do you see this election going? He's a true warrior, and he's going to win. I'll tell you how he's going to win. First of all, thousands, those polls are meaningless because thousands of Trump supporters are going to come out and vote on record numbers on Election Day. And I guarantee you, the Trump campaign has a, is a ground campaign. What the president should do, and I hope he's listening, is he put his foot soldiers, he put his surrogates like Leo Terrell and Horace Cooper and Herschel Walker, and we raise that number of black voters. We go into those battleground states. We start with Florida, we start with Pennsylvania, we start with Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota. And we stay there, we camp there 24-7, and we talk to the people, because all it's going to be is turnout. Trump supporters are loyal. They are loyal, and they have a record to run on. Like Horace said, like hey, I Leo, I love this idea. Why don't you, Horace, Herschel, and others get on the road and and go to these hey, swing states? I think you should do the the I have, Leo 2.0 tour. I have sent videos, messages to the White House. They said they're going to call me. So I'm on the Sean Hannity show, call me. You say you're going to call me. Call me because we do that for 24-7. Sean, we increase the black vote, men vote, and the Biden cannot win. He cannot win without the black vote. Period. Where do you see it going, Horace? You get the last word. 
The magic number is 85%. In order for the progressives to win in 2020, they got to keep 85% of black Americans. The data actually is showing they'll be lucky to get 80%. And the reason, again, is scare tactics don't work. People want to know, what are you actually going to do for me and my family? Progressives don't have an answer. This president has a record. Well, that contrast, I, I'll know where to put my money easy. All right. Horace Cooper, thank you. Leo Terrell, thank you. When we come back, we'll hit the phones. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Say you DVR. Hope you join us tonight. 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. Quick break. Right back. Let's do this suit up, chin down, and 28 days, four weeks from today is election day. Uh, let's go back to the comments, Michelle Obama, and uh, saying that only a tiny fraction of the protests have been violent. Listen to end The president is a racist. Listen. They're stoking fears about black and brown Americans, lying about how minorities will destroy the suburbs, whipping up violence and intimidation. And they're pinning it all on what's been an overwhelmingly peaceful movement for racial solidarity. It's true. Research backs it up. Only a tiny fraction of demonstrations have had any violence at all. So what the president is doing is once again patently false. It's morally wrong. And yes, it is racist. Now let's listen. I got a a very it's. A little bit long, but worth hearing. Um, Really tiny fraction of protests have been violent. Well, that would be at odds with every single rock thrown, brick thrown, frozen water bottle thrown, Molotov cocktail thrown, uh, the canes, the hockey sticks, the knives, the guns that have been used, the violence in our street, the rioting the arson, the looting, and everything else that we've seen with our own eyes. But we have news reports to confirm that we're right and Michelle is wrong. Listen. You can see in the surveillance video windows being broken out during the chaos in Chicago's South Loop late Saturday night. Looters ducking in to take what they can. I could see the glass being completely just shattered, blown out by some object that they threw through the window. Owner Adrian Alvarez and her husband compelled to come to their Orange Theory Fitness franchise in the early hours of Sunday morning. But as her husband Ralph was trying to clean up outside, Alvarez says she turned to see him on the ground in front of a large crowd, unconscious. I started to scream. I tried to wake him. He wouldn't wake back up. And I tried to call for the police. No one was picking up. I tried to call from the phone in there. No one was picking up. And people just kept coming by and just looking at him. And I wanted him to wake up. When she went to help him, that's when she says she was attacked. A woman came out of nowhere and hit me over the back with the crowbar. Now, mind you, it's what I said in the last half hour with Leo and Horace. You know, Barack's president, Joe's vice president. She's the first lady. 4,000 homicide Chicago. 20,000 people shot Chicago. They barely mentioned Chicago. I, I, you, get to, you just got to wonder why. Why is there this, this mysterious resistance, this reluctance to just confront truth and reality in the hopes that you get it right? Um, anyway, we're going to get to your calls here in a second. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Linda has been begging me to play Chris Rock. I have a Chris Rock story, you know. I do not um, know. 
I do. Do you not know that I met Chris Rock? Do not. You do. Does it surprise you that I met Chris Rock? It does. I actually think Chris Rock is funny. I don't think he's I funny like at that, all. But go ahead. Oh come on, he's hilarious. You know when I thought he was funny, I wait. wait I take that back. When did you thought he was funny? He was in that uh, movie with Adam Sandler, uh, Grown Ups. That movie was funny with Maya Rudolph. No, his stand-up oh my God. is funny. He is irreverent as hell. He is, you know, he'll say anything, and I kind of find it refreshing. I think comedians ought to be able to say anything. They're trying I to. I agree. Okay, so I'm a believer in freedom of speech, but that's not never going to happen. But he can still say anything he wants, which is a good thing, I think. All right, so... Um, anyway, so he's opening up for Saturday Night Live, makes a comment about, you know, he's cheering for COVID. I don't even mind, you know, I don't even mind that he's doing that either. You know, on Trump's hospitalization, my heart goes out to COVID. Okay, whatever. Though I think he really wants the president to die. No, I do not. I think he's trying to be funny. That's what comics try to do. They try to be funny. We become humorless in this society. And then, you know, you've been wanting me to play the part where he talks about me, but um, I'll play it. But I didn't think it was this was well, it's funny, funny but part it's, of his routine. He's he's literally pleading with his side of the aisle. He's All begging. Right, well, let's let's listen. Like I watch the Republicans take it serious. You know, you watch Fox News. Sean Hannity's mean every day. He's looking you in the camera. He's telling you it's the end of the world. Listen to me. And every time I see Anderson Cooper, he's with Andy Cohen on New Year's Eve, blowing a kazoo. <laughs> it's like, well, of course they believe Sean. <laughs> you know, Walter Cronkite was like the most respected man in news. You know why? Because we never saw him in shorts. <laughs> All right, that's pretty funny. It's hysterical. It's very funny. All right, so John McEnroe, believe it or not, now he's a big liberal. But, um, you know, um, I knew him and I knew the guy, I know the guy that runs, you know who runs it as well. Uh, our friend Michaela, her, her dad runs the John McEnroe Tennis Academy. He runs the whole thing. Great guy, great family. Anyway, um, so... They invited me to this fundraiser, and John McEnroe was there with Djokovic, who's one of the, I guess he's the number one player in the world right now, right? I think so. Are you, are you asking me a question about sports? Is this a, is this a sports <laughs> verification for Linda? Talk about comedy right now. That's very funny. <laughs> what part is funny, that I don't know if he's number one? That I don't, that, that I would know. Why are you Linda? asking me? <laughs> you don't know who Novak Djokovic is? No. Was he part of the Russia collusion? That's oh, his name sounds No, like. no. Oh, my gosh. No. He's only the number one player in, in the world in, oh, in men's tennis. But it's let, not why, politics. Why, I don't why, know Why digress it. over this? So they start auctioning out a doubles match where you get to play with Djokovic and John McEnroe and then, you know, you and, and another person. So I bid openly, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll bid. I, I don't want to say how much. I bid. It was a pretty generous amount, but I donated to his charity. It's to help minority kids in sports. I, it's a good cause. I was glad to do it. And so I bid on this auction item to play tennis with McEnroe and Djokovic and, and one person else. I said, but one condition. I said, uh, you have to play with Chris Rock, and I'll play with Novak Djokovic. And McEnroe didn't miss a beat. McEnroe's funny. I mean, he's irreverent as hell. He's very funny. He didn't miss a beat. He said, well, I'll pay that that and more not to play that match. And then I raised the stakes again. 
Anyway, so after the bidding, this guy has no idea who I am. And it was interesting because I met Chris Rock after. And like a lot of comedians, I mean, it, he came off as painfully shy in real life to me. Sort of like Neil Bortz is so outspoken on radio. You meet him in person. And I mean, it's just like it's it's awkward. He's just not the same person when you meet him in person. He's just shy, naturally shy. He's going to hate me for saying it, but it's true. Um, and a lot of performers are like that. But I think when you, you put a microphone in his hand, you put him on stage. I mean, this guy comes to life like nobody else. I mean, I think he's one of the most talented, gifted performers out there. You you have no you really don't think he's funny. Yeah, I think I, I think lots of people are funny. You know, but you're not. But what do you think, Jason? What do you think, Ethan? I, I like Chris Rock. He's he has his moments. I think he used to be more funny. Jesus, Here, here's crowd. my take. Okay, this is my macro take. I love when people are funny and they bash everyone equally. When you bash one side more than the other, I get turned off. Like if you want to just you know bash everybody and it's funny and everybody just needs to leave their their feelings at home and just laugh i'm all in but if you just want to bash one side i'm like meh not so interested anymore meh nobody knows what meh means they do now they do now they also right. know who joker joker what's his name that guy they know who he Jokovic. is now. whatever oh man bill in pennsylvania sean hannity show what's up bill how are you okay hey how are you doing sean I'm hanging in there, sir. You, you're a great American. Uh, we love Thank listening you. to you. Uh, I just on? wanted to tell you that um, I heard your caller before talking about Pennsylvania, and I'm actually from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and I understand Biden's there today. And, yeah, there might be a few Biden signs there around Gettysburg, but you get outside of Gettysburg, and, I mean, it is just Trump signs everywhere. I mean, I counted roughly 20 to 5 uh, Trump signs everywhere. Uh, and I was at his rally in Middletown the other Saturday, and uh, – they were talking about how the Democrats, almost 100,000 Democrats from 2016 to now, have left the party, and they gained uh, nearly 50,000 registered Republicans. And That's true. I actually that, think the number is higher than that. That is a true statement, sir. Yes, and he thinks he's going to win Pennsylvania bigger now than he did in 2016. And I'll tell you, with the enthusiasm around here, I mean, they're having big vote reports big boat regattas and big parades uh, all over the place every weekend here uh, in mid-Pennsylvania. And I just think he's going to win by a landslide. He had seventeen to 18,000 people at that rally. And I mean, there was there was African-Americans, there was Asians, there was Hispanics. It was just wonderful. His crowds are just incredible. Look, I wish I could tell people and assure people that Donald Trump's going to be elected in 28 days. I can't. And I don't think anybody else can either. And I think all the people that tell you what's going to happen, I don't think they know what the hell they're talking about. I do think the people will decide this, though. At the end of the day, I do believe we, the people, will decide. And, you know, the problem is, is that such a large percentage of the country is literally propagandized and inundated with never-ending rage and, and hatred, it's a caricature that they have painted now four-plus long years against Donald Trump. I think it does have a cumulative propaganda effect. And I'm just saying that if you don't want to wake up the morning after the night before and find out that this you know weak, frail, cognitively challenged ghost of a candidate corpse is your president, then you're going to have to take it seriously. 
And and that's I I wish I could. I'm not going to give false hope on this program. I'm going to say it's it's doable. You can win the election, but everybody better take it seriously. That's my admonition. Uh, am I optimistic? Nope. Am I pessimistic? Nope. I'm realistic. And realistic is, you know what? Until I see or hear we can now project Donald Trump's been reelected, then I, I got to assume that Joe Biden can win this race. That's how I that's how you have to take the game. You know, there are sports analogy after sports analogy you can use here. You take uh, a team too lightly and it could end up biting you in the you know what? I hope you're right. I hope it's an indicator. Um, anyway, thanks. Can we Bill. use another type of analogy? What's that? Maybe baking. Like you take your you take your muffins out too soon. You know, you think they're ready. They're not. You think it was good to go. It's not. And what do you got? You got gobbledygook. It's nothing. So you got to take it all the way to the end. You got to stay in the space of baking. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm a baker. I love to bake. Okay. Again, this Nobody is has comedy. A clue what you're talking about? Oh, you buy, you, I you guarantee buy you, they Crocker, do. Corn muffin mix. You follow the directions. You set your oven to what three twenty five, three fifty. First of all, no you one makes it three twenty five. You what? leave it no. in there, and it comes out perfect at the exact same time. What's so hard about that? First of all, it comes in a box. No respectable baker is cooking from a box. That doesn't mean I've never cooked from a box. It just means if I'm going to sit down and make Excuse a muffin me. from Betty scratch. Betty Crock, why are you making fun of Betty Crocker? Betty Don't Crocker's distort my words. I'm having a Chris Rock moment. Your feelings need to be left alone. I'm sorry. Do you not use Betty? Have you not made a Betty Crocker cake? I have. I just said I have. I'm just saying if you're a baker and you're all in, this is your big okay. baking if moment. you want that kind of cake, which I don't even like. It's sort of like I want that kind of cake. I want that, that kind of president. That's what I want. I would rather have Betty Crocker cupcakes than, than Magnolia cupcakes. I might make MAGA cupcakes. Hi. I don't think based based on your inability to, to follow directions. Oh! I don't think I want your your cupcake because you don't even you, you apparently pull your cake your Are you cake all right? mix out. You need to go to Norton. That's what needs to happen right I now. I don't need to go to Norton. I'm at Norton. Norton's great. Anyway, eight hundred nine four one Sean. If you want to be a part of the. All right, that's going to wrap things up for tonight. All right, Hannity nine Eastern. Hope you say your DVR Fox News. Uh, as we are loaded up, Lawrence Jones on the ground, our 2020 correspondent with the Biden campaign, Larry Elder, Leo Terrell, Ted Cruz, John Kennedy, Greg Jarrett, Dave Bossie, Corey Lewandowski, all coming up. The best election coverage available on television and the best election coverage right here on your radio dial. See you tonight at nine. Set your DVR back here tomorrow. Twenty seven days as of tomorrow. And you are the ultimate jury. Thanks for being with us.